Welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. As we turn a small corner here on the Reminders of Grace podcast, I want us to move from laying a foundation of truth to now building up an edifice based upon and viewed through the lens of that truth. We're for sure going to step in it on this episode and in the ones to come. And as a forewarning, these episodes may turn into multi-part episodes so that we can maintain the time frame that we've been consistent to hit. Or, just as the Spirit leads and as more knowledge and insight come from that leading, we'll just be flexible with it and trust God to take care of it. One of my top five desires with this podcast is to connect a community of people, connect them to each other, but also connect me to them and connect this podcast to those people. People from all different walks of life, from different places, with different opinions, I want this to be a healthy and a gracious space. For the sake of the podcast, it's okay if you're not a follower of Jesus. It's okay if you're seeking and you're just not sure about him. It's okay if maybe you're even skeptical or you would consider yourself cynical of Christianity. None of that changes the mission. None of that changes the content, but it for sure does place an extra burden on myself to be crystal clear and overly gracious. My intent is never to offend anyone, but with that being the case, know this. The truth or the gospel divides because the truth defines. My goal is not to be divisive, but in sharing the truth and in viewing things through the lens of the gospel, division may and will come. But by his grace, uh, we know that it's always greater, and we have to remind ourselves of that. So with that in mind, let's make like Corbin Blue and jump in. The holiday season is quickly approaching, and one of the things that often is attached to the holiday season is time with family and friends. It's wonderful. It's really close to the heart behind all of it. But inevitably, when gathering with family and friends, conversation flows. And one of the most common phrases that you will hear during this time period or at these gatherings is no talk about politics or religion. Now, if you've come from a family where the majority of you all share the same beliefs about religion, that part may not be an issue. But somehow, some way, politics are always off limits. Why is that? Isn't it odd that the people that you are closest to, the people that you love the most, the people that love you the most, the people that support you unconditionally, the people that would do anything for you, that you would do anything for, you can't have this conversation with them. We, we can't 
find a way to respectfully have a conversation wherein we might disagree. Isn't that odd? Because if you can't have this conversation with close family and friends, who can you have it with? Don't miss this. These conversations many times need to take place. So if you can't have it with them, where will you go? Well, we, 95% of the time, will default to social media. We are pushed to these conversations with strangers, with keyboard warriors, with people completely disconnected from us. We, an humble, open, and transparent moment that for sure, for sure includes me more often than we would care to admit or more than willing to give in to the pettiness of going back and forth with someone we don't even know than to graciously learn from and interact with people that we love dearly and respect greatly. But we have no such rule here, and so we're going to talk about it. And as we do, we're going to make some bold statements And I'll be sure to highlight them as we come to them. But how can we find a reference for truth and refocus on the gospel um, and then still be reminded of his grace in a topic that really has so little landscape within the pages of the written word and from the words of Jesus? Which brings us to bold statement number one. In spite of what we might think, In spite of what we might think, God doesn't have much to say about politics. And I think that's where we need to start. What does the word have to say about politics? Moses dealt with the Pharaoh in Exodus. The prophet Elijah confronted Ahab and Jezebel in 1 Kings. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the three Hebrew children, literally stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel challenged King Darius. John the Baptizer called out King Herod. Jesus himself spoke of Caesar. He stood before King Herod, and he testified before Pontius Pilate. And then the Apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa and Governor Felix and Festus, and he witnessed of what Jesus had done for him. All of these examples share one thing in common. None of them, none of them dealt with governing policies. Moses lobbied for the freedom of the nation, of God's people, from a 435-year enslaved bondage, just as God instructed him to do. Elijah confronted leaders of God's people to devote Worship to God alone. These three Hebrew children stood up in the face of a call to worship someone and something other than God. Daniel knelt in prayer in challenge to an entrapping decree to pray to someone other than God. John called out King Herod for his immoral relationship with his sister-in-law. Jesus said, pay your taxes, and then he was silent before Herod, and he professed who he was before Pilate, right before Pilate had him executed. Paul longed for this audience, this audience of royalty and government officials, so that he could share the truth of Jesus. 
and he was granted one with both kings and governors alike. But never once was it about policies, never once was it about voting, never once was it about bills, laws, or mandates. This is important because it is the precedent for Christians, for followers of Jesus who hold to the authority of the written word. So then what or how are Christians supposed to foundationally interact with government? Government is an institution that God designed. It is ordained by God the same way the church is, the same way the family or the home is. And so to God, government is not a bad word. It's not taboo. It's not negative. It's not a cuss word. He designed government. He designed it knowing full well that imperfect people would essentially run it, knowing full well that imperfect people would abuse the power of it, and that sometimes, for us, that's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. But it doesn't make it any less true. So then what or how are we supposed to interact foundationally with government? Meaning, what are we always to make sure is true no matter what we feel about the people in charge or whether we voted for them or not or whether we agree with them or not. We're supposed to pay our taxes. And in spite of how we feel about taxes, and I'm right there with you, I hate them too, Jesus said, render or give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. This is in context of somebody asking whether it was lawful for them to pay their taxes. And Jesus pulls out this coin and draws their attention to the words on the coin and reminds them that this belongs to Caesar, so pay your taxes. And we don't get to say, I disagree with the government, so I'm not paying my taxes. That's not biblical, nor is that going to last long for you. We pay our taxes, and we submit to government. The Apostle Paul tells these Roman Christians in the book of Romans, many of whom would have had a really ample reason to hate the government, many of whom would have become a part of the Roman Empire through conquest, many of whom were even actually enslaved people. He tells them, submit to them. They don't have power that God did not ordain for them to have. These are imperfect people sometimes with selfish agendas. So the question then arises, what if they ask or order me to do something that contradicts with what God has instructed me to do? Well, we see that in our examples, the three Hebrew children we talked about and Daniel both were told to worship their respective king only to pray to him only. And for the three Hebrew children, as they were confronted by the king, why won't you bow? They said, we don't even, we don't even need to think about this king. We're not careful. We're not cautious. We're not trying to step around some like thin line or anything like that. We don't even need to think about it. King, when it comes to obeying you over obeying God, God will win every single time. So we pay our taxes, we submit to government, and then we pray for them. And this is where it sometimes gets a little bit dicey for us. We pay our taxes, we grit our teeth, and we submit to our government, but praying for them, 
that's bold. Like, go to God and talk to him on their behalf. Pray for their protection, for their wisdom in decision-making, for health and family unity, for them to see the joys of a true relationship with Jesus. To thank God that he has ordained them to be in the position of leadership that they are in, in spite of what we think about them, well, that is oftentimes far more than we can bear to do. Jesus said in his most well-known message, love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you. Yikes. Because this was literally a direct shot at followers of Jesus or at Jewish people at the time who had been conquered by the Roman Empire, who had been oppressed by the Roman government, who had been cheated out of their hard-earned wages through unbalanced taxation. Jesus says, love those people and pray for those people. And if we stopped right there, I think we would have much work to do. Because it is so easy to speak in support of, in defense of, or justification for a leader that we voted for that may even fit our political party alignment. But on the other hand, it is equally easy to speak in contrast to, in offense against, and in judgment of a leader that we did not vote for. That may not fit our alignment. But the tone and the content of scripture is that for the follower of Jesus, at the very least, at the bare minimum, we should be praying for them. Tell me that you or somebody that you know has this nailed down because I would love to learn how to be better. Because I think this is an area in which we all have a lot of work to do. But that leads us to bold statement number two. In spite of what we might think, we will not stand before God as a member of a political party. This is super critical, I think, because it can become so common to misunderstand this. We've said this on a previous episode entitled, What is the Gospel? We said that one day Jesus will call living and dead, young, aged, and decayed, and every single person will stand individually before him as the only worthy king of the ages and be held accountable to him. On that day, every single one of us will bow in humble reverence to worship him as Lord. No matter what you're leaning here, no matter what your political party alignment is here, Before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the God of Gods, it won't matter one bit. We will stand before him, but not as a Democrat or Republican, not as a conservative or a liberal. He will not ask us who we voted for. He will not care about whether you marched in protest or if you sat it out. On that day, it will not matter if you stood or knelt for the anthem. It won't make a difference if you considered yourself a patriot or you just considered yourself woke. The only thing that will matter, standing before Jesus, is Jesus. And if you need to hit that rewind 10 or rewind 15 button, please do, because no, I did not pick a side. I just stated that on that day, only 
Jesus will matter. Now here's the thing about bold statements that few, if anyone, is willing to share. Ready? They always have to come with perspective. Always. It really does little to no good to say something bold and then not give it context, circumstance, or correlation to our lives. So doubling is our final bold statement and offering perspective. Bold statement number three, in spite of what we might think. Theology, what we know and what we study about God and the things of God. Theology should always, only, and exclusively precede and inform our politics. Never the other way around. Never. This is important because what you think and believe about God, about Jesus, about the gospel, about his image bearers in the world, that should inform what you think about political issues. Politics are messy. They're not always cut and dry issues. They're not always clearly laid out. But if we try to take politics, if we try to take a current social issue within a geopolitical landscape, and we say, this is the way that God is, or this is the way that God isn't, we have it backwards. The intersection of politics and faith becomes so heavily traffic jammed when we get this wrong. Politics and political figures can too often become, and here's a term that might convict us, false messiahs. We look at a political party or a figure and we think that they will be the ones to save us. They'll come in and undo the mess from the last eight years. They'll fix everything that was broken over the last four years. But while the support of and the hope for a candidate to bring about positive change is a good thing, it cannot be confused with the God thing. Jesus is the only one who can and will set everything right. Jesus is the only one who is assuredly the hope for the nation. Any nation and every nation. The gospel is the only thing that will unite us. Under the banner of one name, under one flag, Jesus. Jesus is not an American. Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is not a patriot, and he is not woke. Jesus is Lord. And we reach a really dangerous place when we confuse this. When the gospel becomes the center of our lives and our citizenship, it informs the way we vote and what we believe about politics. But when politics become the center, when they become what drives our beliefs, when they become what consumes our message, when they distract us from living on mission for Jesus, we've reached a space that can be difficult to come back from. We need truth, right? We need perspective, don't we? Because I'm not insinuating that Christians or followers of Jesus shouldn't care about politics or shouldn't vote. That is not it at all. A head-in-the-sand approach may keep your neck from sunburn, but it keeps your eyes from seeing the sunset, your ears from hearing the waves, and your mind from learning and soaking it all in. It's about understanding the role that politics play in our lives and how we should properly balance it. 
I want to encourage you to have these conversations with family and friends. Open up a space again where we can talk about these things. And even if we disagree, it doesn't change what the mission is. And it doesn't change our love for people. Commit to learning things. Challenge yourself to unlearn some things. Some of the dearest people that my beautiful wife and I have the privilege of living on mission with and being close friends with are people that we don't completely agree on all things political. It doesn't mean for the sake of, quote, peace, we avoid these conversations at all costs. But it also doesn't mean that within them, we ever put it before Jesus or before our love for each other. Because I would much rather be known as a gospel-centered citizen than a political Christian. Hopefully this episode has been an encouragement to you. But more than that, hopefully it's been a reminder of the grace that we have been given to live in this country, to be able to have this opinion, to be able to voice these opinions, a reminder of the grace we've been given, but also the grace that we need to give. If it has, tell me about it. If it hasn't, well, tell me that too. Was there something that I missed? Was there something you think I should or should not have said? Was there something that you wanted clarification on or something that you wanted to discuss further? Let's talk. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. You can connect with me at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. As you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face, or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace and know that no matter what, it is always, every single time.